1: was the start of star set intended as like an album first or was, was the lore already kind of drafted? Like what, what was kind of the initial pitch you, you referred to the whiteboard that you found. So like, what was, what what, did that entail?
2: He always, that was before the music. I think that was 2012. And I don't want to speak for him because I could make, I could totally butcher this, but like, I just know from my outsider, like him telling me as a really good friend, he would bounce all these ideas off of me on late night phone calls. And we would just, because I was working. And so he would call me later and, um i just remember talking about a lot of what he um you know how he envisioned this to be and whether that was a it never felt like marketing it certainly never felt like anything but a wild idea i just like there was so much to so much depth to the to the background of this whole thing um it just you know when you're talking to a crackhead that they're a crackhead (laughs) you know (laughs) you just know you're like okay this guy's like off his hinges something's totally wrong like never did i get a feeling like he could totally you could put them side by side and him yelling about this story and then a crackhead.
3: (laughs) 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 hello and welcome to another episode of 2020 my name is Corey peza here as always with siobhan cronin and benny goodman how you guys doing
1: Good. I'm excited for this one. I was lucky to have one of my dear friends yes, from Starset. Yes.
3: The the final, the final piece of the puzzle that, that we have yet to, to speak with, uh, Ron DeChant, the bass player and the, the brains alongside Dustin of this juggernaut that is star set. And we learn a lot.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. He's he's kinda like the mechanics behind Starset. So many of the hidden things that go on that you didn't know about. That's that's Ron hard at work. Simply So brilliant. stay tuned. Subscribe. <laughs> Part one with Rhonda Chant, 2020. Like and subscribe. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of 2020. I'm Siobhan Cronin here, as always, with my cohorts and my co-hosts, Benny Goodman and Corey Peza, And this week... Very, very special. My dear friend, one of the masterminds behind Star Set, amazing bass player, business aficionado, super talented and very humble in so many ways. I can't believe how humble he is. Rhonda Chant, my dear friend. I'm so glad that after so many episodes, he finally agreed to join us. Maybe take this a little more seriously yeah. than <laughs> he did at the beginning.
2: My apologies. I think I, no. I think I hinted at coming on here, I don't know, 10 times.
1: Yeah. <laughs> It's all right. You're a busy guy.
3: I feel like we finally collected them all now. We've got all of Star Set. Am I actually
0: the last one?
3: I don't know
2: if Dustin well, did do you Well, Do you feel like the
0: girl like on the date where you're like, Are, am I the fifth girl you called tonight to see if I can go out?
2: I always <laughs> feel like the fifth girl that got called. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I'm just glad but that's to be here. How, that's how I operate. So, I like being that yeah, last you're, you're one. You're the under
1: the radar guy. That's That's why that. he's. Well, just he's a bass
0: player.
2: I mean, it's part yeah, of the territory. That is literally a part of the territory. Yes.
0: Hide him in the mix.
2: Yes, <laughs> hide me in everything. I'm surprised I'm not in the back. Come on, man.
0: Were you the guy that came up with the idea of wearing space helmets so you could block your face? Because I really, think that's brilliant. Do you really brilliant. think
2: that I would come up with the idea to wear a space helmet myself? <laughs> <laughs> would you?
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like if I could go to concerts where I wouldn't have to worry about COVID, I wear a space helmet That's everywhere true, I go. That's true, but
2: that would mean that, okay, I'm going to give Dustin the credit, but that would mean that he would be like massive Nostradamus talent, like to know- That wouldn't surprise out, me at all. Like in 2013, that we're supposed to protect ourselves from- You sure he wasn't
3: analyzing movie? like the CDC records and like going like, you know what? Something's coming. You know, there was we'll a time gonna... <laughs> there was a time when Dustin
2: was first giving me the information about- this project and i'm sure he was researching cdc stuff but i'm sure his internet browser was also like hitting on like cia and fbi <laughs> stuff and like they he's gonna like, dis-
0: Yeah. he's gonna <laughs> disappear you're gonna find a tape of him from like 18 years ago going you're all gonna be in my universe and you're gonna need my helmet
1: well, Holy speaking of this, it? though, while, while we're on this topic, I think that's a good place to start. You know, before we get into your background personally, can you talk a little bit about like those beginning ideas of Star Set and some of the ideas Dustin came to you with? Because that, that's really yeah. cool even Please. to be in the band. There's a lot of things I feel like I'd like well, to learn. <laughs>
2: it was, I mean, I met Dustin, uh, it was well before Star Set Ideas. I mean, we did, uh, man, that, that was twenty he's going to know better than me. And I'm sure he'll correct me on it. Like if he ever watches this 2009, I think wow. I met him. I saw it, My, butt my uh, brother went to Ohio university. Um, that's where Dustin was getting his master's. So I'd met him. I just, I mean, I went to a college party and I went to this bar and this band was playing and uh you know later i find out this was downplay but this was you know dustin and his guys that he had been playing just covered uh, songs shongs with uh, at this place called blue gator in at ou and i bought the bassist a beer and i guess i subsequently bought, du- bought dustin a beer and uh i think i just complimented him on like some cover they did and i just was randomly talking to him and then i ended up living with the bassist like months down the line we kept in contact and lived with him and that's how i started to kind of pay attention to what was going on with downplay but anyways so that kind of uh transpired into me somehow playing bass <laughs> uh the yeah that roommate uh him and i were still friends but uh he kind of fizzled out of the band and made a you know a decision to uh, focus on his pro-life and uh and i started i literally picked up bass i I had played bass and I played music, uh, but I, I had not done it like that. Um, this was just like, Hey, I have, there's a void, a gap. I'm going to go ahead and do that. Um, but yeah, as far as like the early things with Dustin, that was, mm, man, uh, to think about that, it's like, we'd have to rewind. I mean, all of the, I guess all the unique conversations that I have with him as a friend first, like it was always understanding his brain I never really, yes. I'm like, this guy is just like, so unique. I never I could never understand what was going on in his head, which made me want to hang out with him more. It was always that. Um and he he has just a very unique sense of humor, and he was probably one of the reasons why I stayed friends with him the most, but then music was a huge part of it. And I had not done music in years. I mean, I was a military contractor. I did it for 12 years before this. Um and before that I was in college and then I did I was kind of doing that in between college and uh i had music as a background as a kid. I mean, everything on that side of things, I, I started that very young, but I kind of had like a whole gap of time. So I kind of thank Dustin for getting me back into music, honestly. Um, but yes, his early conversations about the star set project were pretty wild. Um, which is why I say his internet browser and the research he did to figure out what he was doing. And he was doing stuff with the air force too. So his whole thought process was very much along the lines of anything that You'd think a, a counterintelligence analyst would be like, "What is this guy looking for?" <laughs> oh, he's just writing a—he's yeah, writing a book. He's writing this like really cool, like sci-fi, uh, you know, thematic cinematic experience of this cross-branded uh, vehicle. No, it, they're probably thinking he's like literally trying to figure out how to take down the government. <laughs> so, Wait, was he I, the guy
0: that declassified MK Ultra? Those hundred thousand pages. <laughs> I feel like that's him. He's like, you know what? Let's just talk about aliens. He's like, tell us what Nixon hid. And he figured what's, it out because he's dustin really fascinating
2: about that i was actually i was listening to a podcast driving today about not just not just those files but just basically the concept of of why a lot of this still hasn't come out and i still believe it's just total chaos i think no one wants that chaos right now so
1: yeah
0: you mean like <laughs> giving random dignitaries acid and pushing them out
2: windows <laughs> that too i mean yeah the, the a lot of things would go wrong if The right information was in the masses' hands, let's just put it that way. I think that
3: also anything, uh, you know, even innocent if worded the right way can trigger half the country pretty quickly. You know,
2: like, or or, for, or from what we've learned based upon your podcast, uh, anything that's factual that's given to the masses can also be right. completely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's pretty much like information as it stands. Yeah, screwed. information is so. pretty
3: dangerous at this point. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, ha- I have to ask you guys, have you, uh, has Netflix suggested and forced you to watch Don't Look Up?
1: I Absolutely. did. Yeah, I watched I watched it, it yeah. a couple days ago. It was yeah. like yeah. the
3: number one movie on Netflix
0: so first off I want to ask you guys if you think this because I remember talking to Siobhan before um the Queen's Gambit like hit I'm like it's gonna be number one this weekend and she's like no it's not like and I called I'm like do you know that it is she's like what that it's number one and I'm convinced that Netflix just tells you things are number one or top 10 and they're just like we're gonna push this by just making you watch it and it doesn't even have to be number one but they just put it there you mean and then everyone you walked, mean like the yeah. general
2: the general marketing idea yeah, yeah they're
0: like yeah. yeah they're like hey this 6.1 out of 2,000 fucking mm-hmm. views thing is not number seven it just sucks and we put it up
2: there so people yeah. will watch it i think it. the
3: 12 a-list actors helped a little bit too
1: <laughs> right it, yeah it, it, but it that did. movie is it, so but right. it
2: also there's a lot of money behind that one too yeah. so there's certainly an algorithm though i'm sure that they they pumped that benny you're probably right there's no reason why they would do you
0: think that if Dustin came out and said there's a there's going to be an asteroid that hits the fucking planet, that people would believe him before the president? I think I think, feel like I
2: would. I think more than most people, they might give him the benefit of the doubt. And I'm biased. I might work right alongside the guy. But I would like to think that he's an educated person that lives in truth. I, yeah, I would like to think that people would give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm
0: not a political person, but I feel like if Joe Biden was to come on television, or Dustin, to talk about an interstellar <laughs> planetary problem— I would trust I would trust Dustin more than any of Biden's experts.
2: I know he would not like to be compared to Biden. Not in a political sense. <laughs> just like,
0: Well, I'm not same. comparing him. I'm saying he blows him out of the fucking asteroid, man.
1: <laughs> okay, well, at the risk of getting too much off the rails so early in the episode, let's get back to Ron, and I'm going to keep everything <laughs> on on track here. So, you know, we spoke a little bit about Starship, but let's go back because you mentioned some interesting things about your background. Maybe let's go more chronological and talk yeah. about you know, you said you're a military contractor, some of the work you did prior to getting back into music. I feel like that's immensely interesting because so much of what you do now is so business oriented to alongside your work that you do in music. So maybe guide us through a little bit of your background and in, in your work life before Star Set.
2: Cool. Um, yeah, I, I, this is so crazy, but I was thinking about, I I'd actually watched, I hadn't watched Brock's but I had watched Adams during like the true 2020 quarantine. Right. Uh-huh. So I had thought, of, I knew that there would be some sort of question around at least background. Um, but then I had recently watched um, recently watched rocks and I was just trying to like figure out exactly like everyone has an angle, of how they either got into music or what they did. I literally have, just realized that most of the things that I've ever done in my life, I just basically fell into. Um, and that's fine. I mean, it's not like I, I'm not like a strategic person, but I do find strategy and in, in partnering with the right people and working alongside the, uh, I'd say the, the, the brainiacs or the people that are extreme risk takers. Dustin just happens to be both. Um, in my early days of military contracting, I fell into that because my cousin was very much the risk taker, um, but he had been an ex-military guy and he wanted to uh, make a difference in the land of a lot of not so great military contractors. Um, I, was in, I was in college, I was a sophomore in college and I was just helping him do general task things while tr- still trying to put myself through the rest of my schooling.
1: Can you explain um, before you go on what, yeah. what that entails? Like what, what is military contracting? What sort of work is yeah. that? Yeah, okay.
2: So the ugly term of Are it is Are you a mercenary? Yeah, the ugly term of it is that. So if you've heard of Blackwater, you've heard of the the, individ- the multitude of companies that during prior to Bush era, but that was when it got ugly. Um, Halliburton. You know, yeah, exactly. The government outsources a lot of its work uh, because if they go into a large theater or a large country, um, and needs to operate, they cannot do so just with the military individuals that they have, you know, active duty, if you will, or for that matter, anything in the rear as well, because it's a multitude of people here. Um, so they outsource, um, and that can be anything under the sun that is necessary to set up an operational force in country, or analytics, or even all the way down to building things, putting out fires, cooking, you name it, like they, they're doing all of that in places that are, you know, you're housing thousands of people. So our, my cousin was focused very much on language. Um, he was an Arabic interpreter. He had learned that language and then he was a uh, partner with some guys who's a special forces guy. Um, and they were, they saw a huge need for linguists, people translating Pashtun or Arabic and this relative countries that they were in. Um, and he was actually recruited to manage those linguists on the ground. And was watching how those language interpreters from the united states were being treated and he didn't like it and neither did his partner um and i'm you know probably butchering their startup story but they just wanted to do it better and they found a way to recruit linguists more efficiently um at a better quality and that was a massive military contract that he won i was probably still a junior in college at the time he won it and the company went from like six people to 300 in the states and went from probably hundred in theater to thousands. Uh, and all of a sudden I'm watching, you know, everything grow around us and I'm just, you know, I'm the IT guy. Like I'm just trying to like solve everybody's problems on that side of it, but also learning a ton. I mean, getting a, you know, a top secret clearance and doing all these things that I never dreamed of doing, but I was only dreaming of it in college of just sitting there learning how to do it. I was a poli-sci major and I ended up doing some security and intelligence major and I wanted to actually be in the agencies. so um Yeah, that's like the long and short of what a contractor does. But there's so many faucets of contracting that I was only in this tiny little niche. So no, Benny, not a mercenary, though I felt like it sometimes. But
0: did you did you blow up all the linguists after you were done so that they can hire you again to send more linguists in, like Halliburton? Did Cheney give you that model?
2: God, Cheney. Yeah. What's the uh, what is the Netflix uh, one with him in it? Oh my god, I watched that over quarantine. It made me want to. So, uh, it's
0: hor- he's the scariest man that's ever lived.
2: Very, yeah. I don't know. I, it was, you
0: can't see him from Google, Google Earth; they blacked him out. So, I mean, <laughs> if, if that tells you anything, he's black ops for real, man.
2: Yeah, I don't know. It, it was and not to say that any military contracting now, if i you know ten years out of it, is you know not to say there's not shady things that happen. I mean, you're also dealing with the government. Like, there's a lot of things that aren't handled properly, right? Uh, but it was a massive learning curve. I mean, I went from a college student who hadn't managed really anything other than knowing very much what to do with computers to just, I'm just like, holy crap, drinking from a fire hose. And everyone that we worked with was doing similar things, either they're ex-military or they were just really young, motivated people. And it was awesome. Um, And it made me, that's why I said that I fall into this stuff. Yes, my cousin had done this and he'd started a company, but I was like right there with them at the early days. Um, And it just... You're not going to walk away from something like that. When it's exploding, you just, you can't. I can't. Some people are like, oh my God, it's terrifying. I can't do this. I need to go somewhere else. When there's fire, I'm like running to it. So, is
0: that a double entendre or
2: sure. is it a true story? No, I mean, that's, well, that, yeah, it happened a couple of times. <laughs> Those are things I probably won't talk about, but yeah, it got, it got sketchy. I was overseas a lot, a, a lot, a lot. I spent most of my 20s going back and forth between the Middle East and here.
1: So, wow. Can I but, ask, yeah. what, what was it like your experience of going there? Because that's one region that I've never been to. And it seems so, so foreign, like even more foreign than some of the places that we go on tour, right? Yeah. Like, what is it like over there?
2: Well, I'll tell you one thing. There's a reason why I can live out of a backpack because yeah. I'm, 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 I'm not any stranger to going on a bus with a backpack now. I don't I don't need a lot. Um, that certainly trains you real quick. You just don't need much. Uh, but yeah, the, uh, the environment there is well, there's parts of that, the parts of that world is just absolutely beautiful. And then there's parts of it that are the ugliest places and you'd never want to go. Um, But that all depends on what's happening at the time. You can understand why people are defending their countries and their lands there because some of it is just unbelievable. Um, And you see it from unique vantage points. Um, I remember writing uh, a buddy, one of the IT guys that we would deploy with was friends with uh, one of the helicopter battalions. So in Northern Afghanistan, we had opportunities to, jump in uh, their helicopters in the early mornings and see some of the countryside. And it was like, you could imagine if, if this was even close to, it's a negative connotation, but of Western Westernized some of the ski resorts that could be on these mountains. Of course, that you would never want that to really happen. That would probably displace a lot of people. But this is some of the most beautiful views you would ever seen. Um, it's, it, it certainly is, uh, it's really sad um, to see a lot of how those people live. Um, And even more sad to watch what we go into with what goals we go into from a diplomatic standpoint versus a militaristic standpoint. Um, I don't know. I definitely still have uh, mixed feelings about the things that we did. But good for um, you for
1: being so bold though that's that's really inspiring. and that's yeah, something that a lot of like, I'll say for all three of us, a lot of the people we've talked to that are super successful, they have that similar approach of like, I see fire and I run for it, you know, like really drawn to like the the risk taking and willing to go on an adventure. And um, I- I'm curious, going back a little bit, when you were in college, just kind of you know, you fell into this. what what was your vision for what you thought you wanted to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, in the long run when you were just getting started in college before all of this happened? Did you have an idea of what you wanted to do? Was this vastly different from what you envisioned?
2: Oh, vastly different. Absolutely. I knew that I... Um, okay, my first year out of high school, I had went to a college in Illinois. I grew up in Chicago. Um, my parents moved to Cleveland. Dad took Wait, a bigger- what's your
0: Wait, what's your favorite Italian beef sandwich place?
2: That's important. <laughs> do you have the hot... Only portillo. portillos?
0: But do you have a... Dipped and do you have the giardinara or do you just have it? It's just
2: like covered. I don't know what it's called. It's just, it's, you know, yeah. Do you have the hots?
0: Do you have the hots? You just dip it. Just dip dip, it in the au yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't do the giardinara, but I dip the shit out of that. It's delicious.
2: So that I, my, we lived down the street from a portillo. So I like grew up on it. I was like the, yeah, the Chicago dog and all of that Italian beef. I loved it. And I still like to this day a lot of I mean Dustin probably doesn't get it, but every time we go into that uh part of the country, I'm like, Where is it? I need to eat it. And it's like and it's so terrible for you. You feel horrible after you eat that meat. <laughs> I don't. I always no. feel
0: better after eating Portillos. Brought to you by Portillos. Go to Portillos. Man, somebody, yeah, they need to send you some Portillos. I
1: know we need I, a sponsor so. desperately. Maybe so we can desperate. learn something from you. Oh, honey, I said, what? I think
0: it was Jeff Schroeder. Jeff Schroeder's from Chicago. One of our previous guests who's on the Daily Blast. And I said, dude, I bet you have some like in your freezer. And he's like, I do. He That's actually right. had, I knew Portillo's. About this he had Portillos. We had Portillos in he his totally freezer did. in L.A.
2: See, that's the thing about my friends in Chicago. Someone <laughs> someone sent me Illuminati's pizza last year for Christmas. That's in my freezer. Well, was like a stack of them. And my family, my family does that. My family sends Ortegos <coughs> to people. That didn't happen this year, but I'm surprised I don't have any in my fridge or my freezer. <laughs>
3: All right. So, once <laughs> so anyway, get before we, we another, yeah, we have another sponsor that we need to
2: get involved. Yep. With, but, but, but just continue, Illuminati's. Just so you know, it's not pizza. It's pie. It's more on. pie than pizza. It is pie. Tear it down it's is It's a, a pie. Bit I'll say that's better, but they've branched out. They're not as Chicago anymore. So well, they I don't mean, punch I you in the really face. Like if you eat, about pizza, I don't know if you really want to talk about pizza. But. No,
0: but I'm saying if you eat <laughs> Luminati's, right? It, you yeah. can't. I can eat a whole Papa Gino's pizza here in in Boston. I eat one piece of Luminati's. I'm not going fucking anywhere
2: for a week. <laughs> <You> <laughs>
3: it's like six on. pounds.
2: Oh, dude, six it's so pounds. Good. Basically That's lasagna so at that point, I think. Yeah,
1: yeah pretty totally. much.
2: We should have a Lou Malnati's eating contest. I'm going to see how
1: that goes. Ooh, I will just Everyone be loses. a spectator in that. <laughs> 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 I'll drink wine and judge.
0: <laughs> Is that what you do anyway? You just drink wine and judge basically. us from <laughs>
1: yeah. your... Just basically.
3: Your, <laughs>
0: reeling right, it anyway,
1: back in, yeah. yeah, reeling it back in. So you, you were mentioning um, you know, when you got out of high school, going into college, what yep. your vision was for what you were going to do.
2: Yeah, so... Uh, first year out of um high school, I went to a school that was a state school i didn't my parents weren't moving at the time, so this was <coughs> you know a couple hours away um, my I set my sights on being basically and uh, I can't remember what the i can't remember what the actual degree was. it was new.
1: You mentioned poli-sci. Was it something Yeah, but it was, with, uh, it was
2: before poli-sci because Ohio State didn't actually have it and I transferred and it was a whole other reason why I did that. Uh, okay. I was basically trying to, I mean, FBI had this uh, HRT team, which is like, it's more of a- That's a, a lot of acronyms. Yeah, it's a more of like a special forces type side of that agency. I really wanted to be more active in the side of a, a more domestic division of that. Um, so I was studying- truly actually the same people in my classes were trying, studying to be a state trooper. I didn't want to be a cop. Um, but I knew that I had to go through that, you know, initials, you know, set up to do that in order to get into like, an you know, analyst analyst work, but also like, uh, investigation type work. So that was roughly the idea. Um, that year was whatever I probably wasn't, you know, you gotta check yourself. And I was definitely not mature enough to go to college yet. Uh, my parents, I was the oldest but i was uh still very much living in a high school mentality i lived with a buddy of mine who is still actually a great friend but at the time was like a best friend and we lived together and he was one year older than me and i moved in with him and it just didn't it nothing fused right i didn't get the true college experience so that really fell apart quick so i didn't really get a lot out of the first year of college uh my parents ended up moving my dad had to take a job we, they moved to cleveland that was like damn near 12 hours away uh that was too much and the girl that i was dating at the time that relationship also fell apart so everything that i had that was like i thought was cool didn't work out so uh, my dad smart enough came uh to the college in, in illinois and he was like hey it doesn't seem like you're doing well even it looks like your grades are suffering let's you know let's show you where i went to school let's let's take a road trip. And we did. And it was he, he was moving me out of that school because I was going home for the summer. And we drove through Columbus. And it was summer quarter. It was nuts because I mean it's Ohio State I mean that school I went to was like 10,000 people if that the Ohio State is 65 at the time so it was just chaos um and sure the sophomore in college of me saw a bunch of party but I also saw a school that was far different than what I went to
0: and hot chicks lots yeah, of there was, hot a, chicks. there was a lot of
2: chicks hanging out on rooftops it was actually pretty interesting
0: so. oh dude the girls in Ohio and yeah. at Ohio I bet you if you look up at Playboy which is not even a real thing anymore there's probably a, like a list of the hottest girls and it's probably Ohio State's probably top top three and there's like Miami or you, like, you know.
2: I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know you. Benny. I just read books the whole time. <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> Clearly,
2: that's why you're a bass player. <laughs> I did read books the whole time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't read. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Ohio State opened up a whole different thing. My cousin lives in Columbus. Um, I. It was the only family member I knew here. They, my the rest of my family was up in Cleveland, like I said. Um, so I built a bond with him. I was having dinner with him every like, Sunday. We started to talk about what I was doing, and then this led its way. I knew he was a special forces guy. I knew that he had already been to Iraq with what was going on there after nine eleven. So he was giving me all of his insider information as to like what I should do. And I told him, I'm like, look, I'm about ready to just jump into the military and do what you do, not do like I have to go through basic and all that. But I was like, I was ready to just go straight up. Uh, like try and get into Special Forces and go that route because I was frustrated with everything I was trying to do. And he literally said, do not do what I'm doing. He said, just do not. I'm like, okay. Uh, you're a family member telling me, do not join the military, but you're in the military, all right? Um, and he found a professor at Iowa State that he had known and uh, recommended a, a a course that I took and that changed everything. And I started interning with him while doing that. rest is history with military power
1: wow what was the class out out of curiosity uh they just
2: started well this was 2000 so high school is 03 04 05 they had started you know four years after 9 11 they were focusing on building intelligence focus so it it was security and intelligence was the focus but it was still a poli-sci division eventually it broke off to being its own like security and intelligence major Uh, Which I guess years after me, that's what it was called. But so my focus was security and intelligence, but it was a poli sci major. Um, Anyways, I was reading every book about post nine eleven and pre nine eleven, and then everything that had to do with how you know militias are. formed and what counterterrorism is and why terrorism Are you on a watch affects- list now too?
0: Cuz <laughs> I, I feel like I just you and Dustin. connection? It, so <laughs> you probably you guys between you and Dustin are probably setting off some serious warning bells at Alexa right now. They're like what why is he
2: googling this? It hasn't gone <laughs> off.
1: But this was back in the day of books and libraries, right? I mean, like even me in college, it wasn't so so much Google searching really. But what's
2: funny is I think about it now and I need to go pull up and find like some of my old papers because we literally wrote books about what we think went wrong. uh, Books. We wrote papers about what we think went wrong with 9-11, but things prior to that. And that whole, our professors were pushing us to be almost conspiracy theorists. Where it's like, now you think about this in years later, I mean, almost what, 15, 17 years later, God, I'm old, this sucks. Um, <laughs> but you're thinking about it, you're like, wow, like I can't, I, I almost want to go back to school to see if that's happening now, because you don't want anyone, it's almost like we're like, don't be a conspiracy theorist, don't. yeah. Don't listen to Joe Rogan. Don't don't let. Don't listen to those voices in your head telling you this is not exactly what you've been told. Yeah, but kids are contrarians, dude. They're totally
0: contrarians. I have a sixteen-year-old that I've inherited, and uh, <laughs> you know, her her girlfriend comes over and she literally says to me, "I I want to watch Schindler's List." I said, "Why you want to watch Schindler's List?" She knows I'm a Jew, first off, because obviously the nose gave it away. And I'm like, "Why do you want to watch Schindler's List?" And she's like, "Well, we're learning about it in school." And first off, my heart, as a Jewish mother, was like, "You're learning about Schindler uh, about Schindler how about Schindler's List. You're learning about the Holocaust." And she goes and tells my daughter about watching the movie. She's like, three hours to watch that," and
2: <laughs> oh, I'm like, "You made me watch now. all
0: eight fucking Harry Potter movies that are six hours each, like." but we watched them and she complained and all that. And I was more offended by my fiance who fell asleep like six minutes into it. (laughs) And afterwards I debriefed my daughter and she was like, no, that was very serious. And I can't believe what they did in Poland. And I was like, so they're learning shit. Those yeah. kids are, act. they're looking again. Like we were yeah. lazy fucking assholes, like huffing white out. These kids are now like, but what do we have to learn? What is I, the government not, not telling I, us? I'm
2: definitely not saying that people aren't learning. And I I believe they are. I've, I've Actually, they're probably, I wish we had the internet like we do now, because it's probably even easier to get different angles. I'm just saying I learned a certain angle There was no internet to tell me one way or the other. And I had to read it out of a book and then I made a decision. Um, And I was being told, think outside the box. Think about what might've happened that history didn't tell you from the news and the newspaper. It's it's different now. It's interesting. And I've applied that train of thought and I had a lot of time on my own uh, in my 20s going back and forth. So a lot of nights sitting in a cot thinking like, what the hell? And where my friends are probably sitting at home getting drunk. And I'm like, Was I'm your roommate Alex Jones? <laughs> no. <laughs> that would be cool, though. Actually, I had, I had some pretty cool roommates, but no, nothing, nothing to that caliber now. <laughs>
1: Wow. No, but that, that's yeah. an amazing story. That So you, you had kind of a shift once you moved to Ohio State. And at what point, yeah. uh, it was within like a year or two that you got involved in your cousin's business, right? Yeah, I did. And
2: he was, uh, I, he. Just, I, it's hard because you. it sounds like nepotism. It sounds like the guy takes you under his wing. And he truly did. Um, he really did. Um, but I was also a lost person coming out of a really strange, like, weird post high school experience it sounds so emo and dramatic but it was really weird know. Well, no,
0: so it's like scared straight so he's like we're gonna take you to the middle fucking east motherfucker yeah, yeah and indeed. you're gonna be but, yeah. scared because everyone has an ar-15 on every fucking corner p.s you might die
2: yeah yeah and we almost did a couple times and it was wild but i thank him because he he like dustin ushered me into a whole different chapter of my life and that guy just said look, you can do this, and he he watched me do some of it, and he's like, you can do more, and before I knew it, I was almost a, well, I was director of IT for a long stint at that company, running, you know, hundreds of people in a domestic fashion, but thousands overseas, and constantly going back and forth, and it's just, you know, that was, uh, that really ushered in the mentality for me that you just get shit done. I just found ways to get shit done and problem solve, and I just, I got addicted to it, so, um, yeah. And that's what's where it really changed how I was like, all right, I, uh, I, what's that movie that Jim Carrey's in? Uh, yes, man. When you just no, basically yeah. have to just, do everything. Yeah. I literally didn't have, I had a mentality like that for at least five years where it was just like, all right, I'm doing it. Like I had the energy and I had the opportunity. I'm doing it no matter what it was, just go.
0: Is it weird that I see exactly why Dustin wanted you in the band? Because when we first asked him, like, so yeah, about Ron, he's like, he's so good with logistics. He's like 16 things before he's like, and he plays bass. And I'm like, okay, cool. But like, I get it, dude. You are literally everything. He's like, he's a conspiracy theorist, but he didn't know it. He just was, was naturally thinking, organically thinking outside of the he's box. He's thinking outside the box, he was, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and I get it because Adam, the one thing I've learned from Adam about Star Set was... Leave them asking questions, and I have so many questions about his mother. <laughs> it's a Freud thing. That's I want to know two. all
2: about it. Wait, are you, are, you, are, you about, are you talking about Adam's mother? Is that what you're saying? No, no, oh, no, Dustin. Oh, got about it. Dustin. Got it, got it, I'm got sorry, it. that
0: was in my own mind. I, you know, you're not yeah. telekinetic. I mean, if you were in the man that stares at goats or whatever with George Clooney, where they did again MK Ultra style like psychic <laughs> tests with astral projection, you would have known what I was saying. But I'm got saying it. I have all <laughs> kinds of questions about Dustin because he's like okay. I think he's a savant. I think he's literally a savant. I'm not even joking. I'm being serious. I've never seen somebody, like when I went and saw you guys last time, I'm like, this This is the standard for if you're a new band. You can't be a band anymore. You have to be an organization. You have to have a logistics. Like You're the guy in Ocean's 11 that's like, turn left. Okay, there's going to be something on your right. I can see you. I can see I think, you. Like,
2: you're that guy. I think you're right. I think you're right and you're wrong because I think there are bands out there right now that are way over here and they're like, on the floor not even a bassist on stage and you're just like okay there's nothing going on there but it's awesome and i love to watch it um one of my favorite bands is the hives I, i mean i can't get enough of just like watching just it you know they just they have an awesome show and they're super generic but they have really great vibe and really great beat and they're over here and it makes sense and it's super appealing. And then I don't know where the middle went, but then there's bands over <laughs> on our side that you have to have exactly what you just said. There's a theater, there's a backstory, there's all of that. In the, the in-between, I think it's washed away. Um, I, don't, I don't think there's staying power in, in it anymore. Um, I think you, you certainly can build a brand on both sides. Um, I think there's more staying power on our side of the brand building, but I'm biased.
0: So, I don't think you're biased right? because that's why I think it's genius because I I think L. Ron Hubbard's the closest thing I can think of to, to Dustin. He's like, I'm going to write my own – like Isaac Asimov says, hey, uh, you can't make a religion. And like L. Ron Hubbard's like, hold my beer. Adam's like – not Adam, excuse me. Adam's not as smart as Dustin. We know that. He's a drummer. I love Adam, by the, the way. Druma, di- drumabuse.com. Yeah, no, first off, drumabuse.com because that all all man's – no, he, Adam is actually, again, a savant because nobody would be on your freaking team unless they were like top of the line. But like where Isaac Asimov was like, hey, Ron, you can't make this this religion. He's like, again, hold my beer. I'm going to come up with Zenu, <laughs> aliens and volcanoes. <laughs> Dustin's like, oh, yeah, let me think outside of the box. And then you literally create these worlds where you have to almost like you don't know as much as your fans if they're really into you as much as Dustin made them into you. <laughs>
3: Which is a good. It's a good segue back to what we were talking about a little earlier. Like when you first started um, having those conversations with Dustin, maybe we can jump back to yeah. there. Yeah, yeah what those know, sound like. The uh, you know for us here, uh, you know, especially Ben and I, we were introduced to Starset after you know that Juggernaut was already on its way. So like we kind of got this the the full picture there. But what what was the initial conversations and like like how, what were your first thoughts of like all right, how is this going to work?
2: Well. I just realized as I was, I had uh, I just got over Omicron, which was great. Uh, the last oh, like, yeah. like 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 seven days ago or whatever it was. Um, oh right- my god! I hope you feel better, man. Oh, it was great. No, it, I felt I felt <laughs> fine. So here's why you're very I'm, immune I'm, now. Here's here's why I'm. A, yeah, no shit, exactly. Um, I'm telling you this because I could. It wasn't so bad. Um, I just got done cleaning my entire basement out because I had. I don't know what it was. I had so much energy having this last bout of COVID and I've had it twice. I had so much energy. I chopped I chopped down trees in my backyard. I cleaned out an entire basement. I threw out dumpsters of stuff. I hadn't done this in a while. Uh, so it was like a crazy purge, and I was just like cleaning everything. Anyways, the reason I tell you that is I dug through some old star set stuff. I dug through some stuff that we had like way before Siobhan, way before. There was even like thoughts of having a band. And it was just like this box and this pile of stuff in my basement. I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh my God, like I need to like figure out if Dustin and I need to keep any of this. And but you so you need to start them, a
1: museum now. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah it's it straight up felt like a museum while I'm coughing because it's so dusty down there. But uh the one of them is a whiteboard. Uh and you can see his brain and you're like, What on earth are you writing? And it's still written. For our first tour in dustin's handwriting and it's just shit everywhere What are you uh, putting on ebay uh, no your eBay hand no on? that's that like uh, it's actually more of like a, <laughs> I, I think it's invaluable and i should show it to him because it's more of an exercise in his own thought process of like <laughs> here's what here's what you thought to do for the 2013 first step into star set in terms of a band and i can see half of the things that we did and it was a total mistake and some of the things were amazing you're like oh my god i can't believe that bullet point turned into that um that was cool and so those weren't early conversations though so to your point corey there, yeah. we we had we had that kind of display of chaos in every conversation we had leading up to that point so he was he was a friend right i mean i had i didn't we played some crazy shows together i was his bassist to downplay for a while because half his band either quit or just was getting sick of doing the uh, the record label uh, kind of shows to show off, you know, everything that Downplay was. Sounds horrible. Deal. It was it was a lot. Well, it was a lot. I mean, you, you had to put for him. It probably felt horrible because he was hurting cats of a band that was very much not like Adam Brock, Siobhan Z. No professionals. Like, the, and not to hate on these guys, but like they were in it in a totally different era. It honestly felt like. I don't know, I don't want to say bad uh, things about other bands but it was like it was chaos for him and he was tour managing and he was the singer and he was trying to put on this artistic thing for record labels in order to achieve a deal and I was watching <laughs> it happen and watching it fail or watching it succeed sometimes and then realizing oh my god this guy's got something special but the other people around him don't get it. So I'm in like I remember there's one point one of the conversations we're driving to like way north Wisconsin. It was me and him. He had to, we had to fucking get a drummer from a different band to play that night for this one-off gig. And we're we're driving like 14 hours from I think his hometown in Salem at the time just to play this one show because it was with a band that was going to potentially introduce us to a different manager. And we're talking like just doing anything to grind. And that was the real grind of Star Set. It was the years prior of him just doing anything. Um, and I just remember the conversations and it was just like, we're gonna have to do this. We're gonna have to do that. And I'm like, I'm still a military contractor. I'm not even thinking about music. I'm just trying to sponge in whatever the heck he's talking about. And it was wild. And that the funny story is the van at the time was going through an epic rainstorm. And it was this old shitty Chevy van that he had been touring in. And the entire thing, the dashboard, the lights, everything went out. And we're driving 50 miles an hour on this dark ass highway, no one on it. And the whole thing shuts down. And he like, kind of like pulls over to the side of the road. We don't even have emergency lights because the rain got into like the battery and it just, it was terrifying. And all we had was a trailer behind us. And he's like, dude, like we're going to get side swiped. and he's just, like, pounding on the steering wheel. And then just out of nowhere, this like, the third pound in the steering wheel of the van comes back on. And we just pull over to a pilot, like, 10 miles down the road. But, like, we'll still we'll still laugh about that story because it's so wild. Like, that was what we were experiencing in the early... It's the universe. Yeah. It's the fucking... I, I, first off, that's not even a joke. That
0: I firmly believe at this point that you get what you, you put out. It's every... You know, energy transfers. If you guys... He's literally hitting the steering wheel going, no! Because yeah. he's a prophet of something crazy with his <laughs> synesthesia. So he he was turns just, just the lights back a side on. Swipe
2: by a semi. That was like, all right, we're going to have a semi. That's what you bags. think. Yeah, that yeah. was layer one
0: of the inferno that is Dustin's mind.
1: <laughs> no, but yeah. this is amazing because you're on the brink of talking about like this intersection between like your sort of prior life and this involvement. So keep going. Keep yeah,
2: going. Yeah, so But that was, okay, that was, I don't know, one drive. Um, We did... 20 25 more of them um there were guys that are good friends of mine now that we had just a drummer a friend that came in and did a one-off show and we had a ridiculous night we played a we played a show um it's funny because i was watching adams we played a show at el rosa uh where Dimebag got shot and like i knew of that situation because i knew i was on that stage that was one of the nights where i'm like oh wow i know something about this i was in columbus uh right after that that happened um But like I kind of got to feel like what it was like to play on hollow ground and be in a in a weird situation and and felt some call to music. Not to say that that show did it, but like- Well, hold on, but that's a sacred
0: thing. Just so you know, I, I actually was loosely, I I, didn't, I was a friends with Dimebag, but I knew Vinny a little bit. And they had, I had seen him like November 24th uh, and I hung out because they had given me, my birthday's November 16th and they actually let me and my friends backstage for my oh, birthday. Wow. So yeah. like that is a, a crazy place and they just knocked it down. They did. You, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, maybe you weren't attached to it, but just so you know, like just- my age I'm even older than you that's like it brings tears to my eyes just to think about how crazy that moment was so the fact that you were even standing on that same spot to me is like when the guy goes into the woods and like this is where Buddy Holly's plane crashed yeah and this is where all the dime bag for me
2: and we I maybe he I'm sure in his own way would think about that but Dustin's a little bit more like point of business matter of fact doing what he's doing in the moment it's too morbid it's too dark but but i was like oh shit like this is uh this is wild i'm doing this or i'm doing other things and there's many other stories where i'm like doing something and i'm meeting a certain band backstage with dustin who this is the guy i've been friends with for five years and hadn't really had that kind of experience i've had like drunken nights and hilarious conversations and all of a sudden i'm backstage with alien ant farm and red and i'm trying to think of the other band that was with us at the time and we were just Know we're hanging out on their bus, and I'm just like, This is uh, this is slowly morphing into I don't really know this guy that I'm starting to call my best friend anymore. I'm like, Holy shit, this guy's doing some crazy shit that I hadn't, I I knew he was capable, but I'm like, Wow, he's like, he's really fucking doing it, and he's doing it again. And I, I will remember always the conversation he had with me when he wrote the. I guess essentially the business plan but he wouldn't call it that he wrote the mantra of what Starset's first lore was supposed to be and it was uh, he just said you know if this doesn't work out and I can't get my ideas to I don't know if it was the word percolate or whatever he used if I can't get this to take off in a way that I can get this music out whether that meant a record deal or just some form of success so he could do this as a career he's like this is it this is it like this is the last thing i'm going to do i'm going to go right back to engineering i'm going to focus on what i was doing like this is it and and i think he was somewhat of a way asking if i wanted to be a part of it and i was like yeah like i'm i'm good on what i've been doing for the last 10 years i i'm kind of sick of risking my life and doing some really crazy stuff i'd like to do a change And, and music was was it so and he also trusted me during those last two years prior to pick up a base And I'm pretty sure I sucked so bad starting <laughs> off. Um, but he trusted me with that, too. And we just kept doing it. And I like everything else in my life at that point, it was an opportunity. I took it and I was like going to fucking make it happen. I didn't care how it, what it took. I was just going to do it. So make it happen kind of thing.
1: That's amazing. It's interesting because, you know, it's you're you're dealing with kind of two separate things, uh, you know, downplay being kind of one idea and one brand and one trajectory and going into Star Set. I'm interested to hear, like, how did you like where did the separation begin? Like, was it like, OK, I'm going to create this entire new concept and downplay is going to kind of go off into its own world. And this is a totally different thing because I mean, there is a bit of overlap there, right? There, yeah, there's
2: there is certainly song overlap, but I feel like that was always inevitable because of the way that he writes I mean, he writes so many things, so many ideas, starts to songs. I mean, I think Horizons had at least 60 songs, maybe 90 mm-hmm. starts. I mean, it was out of control, but he's done it the last four records. Um, but at the time, he was writing um, probably more than that. Um, I was down there with his, I think it was, eventually it was called Radiocalypse, but I went down to New Orleans when he was working with Dave Fortman and, and working on all of the uh, the songs that were gonna go into that before the record label dropped him. Um, And Carnivore was actually on that, but named something different. Um, So he was, of course he was taking, he was plucking the best things that he had written at that time. Uh, Who wouldn't? Uh, My Demons was birthed out of that creation cycle for him. Um, And he got the rights from, that was the one thing I think that he won when he got dropped by epic records was i he's like look i need to own these masters i need to do something with this project you've spent money on me to report all this and now i now i can't do anything with it and it was that's the one thing i guess i'll say more about dustin is just like i don't have that but he i feel like he's one guy that has got just kicked in the nuts so many freaking times that it doesn't matter and it doesn't hurt he just will just go again and just go do it again and talk about losing a record deal. But like he just said, all right, well, fuck, I'm gonna do it again, another way. And I just refused to fail. So that, so that overlap, I don't think there was much overlap in terms of creation of the lore and, and sort sure, yeah. sure of things because he had to write and build all of that in his own mind. Um, but certainly musically there had to be, um, he, he didn't, you know, transmissions wasn't uh, fully completed by any means, but he, you know, there was definitely, a a bulk of it that was ushering on the new project so
1: yeah so was it the the original idea or was was the start of star set intended as like an album first or was was the lore already kind of drafted like what what was kind of the initial pitch you you referred to the whiteboard that you found so yeah what what, what, what did that entail
2: he always that was before the music i think that was 2012 and I don't want to speak for him because I could make, I could totally butcher this, but like, I just know from my outsider, like him telling me as a really good friend, he would bounce all these ideas off of me on late night phone calls. And we would just, because I was working and so he would call me later. And um, I just remembered talking about a lot of what he, um, you know, how he envisioned this to be and whether that was a, it never felt like marketing. It certainly never felt like anything but a wild idea. I just, like, there was so much to, so much depth to the to the background of this whole thing. Um, it's just, you know, when you're talking to a crackhead that they're a crackhead, <laughs> you know? You just know you're like, okay, this guy's, like, off his hinges, something's totally wrong. Like, never did I get a feeling, like, he could totally, you could put them side by side, and him yelling about this story, and then a crackhead. <laughs> you could. like you really could and most of my friends would be like dude what the hell is wrong with this guy?" but I, I was like what no there's something crazy special about this and a couple other people now uh, who i won't mention but uh who were involved early on understood that and some of his really good friends understood that um investors and, and people that cared enough to to know that was like oh wow this guy's got like he's just bursting at the seams with ideas and someone needs to just like allow it to happen. Uh, It is
1: true. I'll attest it. I mean, you know, even me, like you can imagine my experience coming into like the middle of something that's kind of like blowing up, you know, and like all of my early experiences with Dustin is just like phone calls and him yelling at somebody about how they don't get it and this and that. And like, (laughs) it took me a long time to really like understand the multiple layers of the onion, you know? Well, I I, I can totally appreciate your perspective. Yeah,
2: I say crackhead because it's not because he, like, looks like he's crazy or he's, like, juddering or anything. No, it's, it's no, just No, it's the, the passion. It's the intensity. The yeah. It's the passion, but it's also the very, very... Like branches and branches and twigs of ideas. Well, abstract, like, down, I, to say abstract ideas. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah,
0: because yeah. you have like the guy on the side that she's like, yeah. Well, you know, on Sunday the aliens are gonna talk to me, but like you're like that guy's <laughs> fucking on crack. Right. Where it's like, no, but there's really, really serious space
2: people. Well, you can dial. They it back. know a lot. Of- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, you, you actually now you can now which we we have YouTube, we have a book, we have a comic, we have all these ways you can go and read and look at this and go backwards. i guess i'm only one of the ones that can do it but i can look at all that and then i can remember that conversation and i'm like oh my god he wasn't crazy like this was like it just and and there's so much more that's the best part about why this is exciting to be a part of this project it's not even close like you talk about netflix or you talk about video games you talk about just being able to have total ownership of something not even there yet um that's why it's so exciting and i There's been plenty of times, and Siobhan has seen it, where I'm just like throwing my hat in the other direction and burying my head. Um, But I I don't know, there's just no quit in that. It's just too exciting to see whatever this is gonna be turning into next.
3: You know, you mentioned like there was these periods of your life where you had that complete change of a chapter. Mm
1: -hmm. Um,
3: So when you were, you became, you know, went from the contractor to, I'm gonna be, it's Star Set Ron now. Like when, <laughs> what, around when was that like, and, and like when, how was that shift? Was it a complete like off, you know, at a no. certain point? No, that
2: was, so the grind for me happened later. The the grind for Dustin happened as I became his friend and all those kind of side snippet stories we just talked about, like he was grinding for years to get to that point. My grinds, I feel like for music started as we joined it and, and we knew financially that you know, I was living pretty well. Like contractors make good money and I was doing very well for myself, but I'd also saved. And I, I think I saved and I almost feel like I knew something was coming because I just didn't, I had enough in the bank that I just could survive, but I had also set myself up in a, uh, rental situation with a number of people that I could lean on. And I, you know, I didn't really leave like a huge void mortgage or a crazy rent or whatever. I was just living well within my means. And, uh, i was lucky for that Um, but the grind happened as we got into it because there was just multiple phases of this project that needed to get to a certain point which meant massive reinvestment so never any real compensation uh other than taking care of our guys taking care of our crew taking care of whoever it was that we were working with um, for the better part of the last six years, uh, just making sure everything was taken care of and then just reinvested, reinvested, reinvested until we got to a point where we could realize that, you know, we were happy with the production level of the show, but also the production level of the art. I mean, everything that he has in his head is, is curated for a certain look. Um, and you don't want that to be, you know, just like anybody else putting out art, you just don't want that product to be consumed in the wrong way. Cause it could just change everything. Um, so yeah, that the switch for me was um, I guess initially violent because <laughs> we got we got, <laughs> okay. we got we got we got offered we got offered like a big tour uh, in twenty. 20- 2013 was the first tour and that was small we did that for two weeks I, was, I had like a hiatus from work i was still working uh 2013 i worked for the first part of the year but i was doing mostly remote work and that was before anyone did remote work i was like convincing my boss that i could be anywhere and do my job and i was good at it but like let's be honest you're Playing shows like how the hell are you going to be able to focus when you can't even? You're staying up all night driving and in a van and doing. You don't have wireless internet with crackheads. Yeah, yeah with <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, there were plenty of those in those days.
1: Van to band days.
2: Oh my god. Luckily, no drugs because we got some good people in our crew. But God, um, yeah, some scary nights. But yeah, it, the, the, what I mean by violent was that we went from all right, I can do this, I can manage two things at once. To no, I can't. I can't do this at all. I was staying up. I remember we had a sprinter at one point, and I was staying up in the front seat working when we parked after I drove or after someone drove. And all night I'm sitting there, like trying to work, going to bed, maybe sleeping two hours, getting up, loading in, doing a show, doing that again. And I'm just like, this is not going to work. But I also wasn't paying myself. And it was getting to that point where savings were starting to dwindle. We hadn't done anything compensation wise on our end him and I are not taking anything out so we're just finding ways to like offset this to just keep pushing it down the line and that lasted for a better part of like two or three years maybe more um we did some pretty weird odd job stuff on like non-tour time just to make up for it but I I would do it again go on
1: so <laughs> yeah, like, what's the weirdest odd job? Like are you, were you working oh, look, like a mortuary
2: or some shit? No, look, I, actually, dude, I'll totally leave. You should, if you get Dustin on here, you should ask him what he did in between because I'm totally not stepping on that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, but we, I did some crazy shit. Like, I had, I thankfully I have an amazing. uh I I don't even care about LinkedIn, but like I would say that would be what it was. I have a great black book of friends, like LinkedIn people and Facebook friends and people that I worked with so I could tap on some people and find contracting jobs that I did. I I did a stint in Guatemala. I just went down there and worked IT for this random company. Their office looked over a volcano. It was ridiculous. But I did that for like two months. I made a truckload of money doing it because I had one guy that knew that I was capable did that came back, that was a consultant gig. Uh, I did some Salesforce management stuff because I knew how to operate their software just because I had managed (laughs) it on the side. I managed a guy who managed Salesforce. I didn't even do it myself. I just like, all right, I can tinker with that. I did that for like six (laughs) months, like on a remote computer (laughs) in a Sprinter and then at home. But like, dude, that's the fake it till you make it shit. Like you just do whatever it is you have to do to make sure that- Guatemala. Well, that was Guatemala. The other time was just domestic, but like, but yeah, I'm. On all different uh, time zones and like, I'm in Europe trying to figure out how to get on a fucking Wi-Fi, a VPN through like a shitty hotel, which at the time you didn't have a hotspot. Like, I don't know. It was just, it was bananas. And I'm so glad I'm not doing that now. But like, that's what it took. It didn't just. I
0: love the fact. Hold on. Can we pause? I know Corey hates Uh this, but the most bananas thing was the fact that you couldn't sign on to the VPN or the (laughs) Wi-Fi. In Europe, that's when you pulled up out uh, bananas. I don't think you said anything about going to Afghanistan no. and risking risk your life, not going to the military, that living with a crackhead talking about Nostradamus like craziness. <laughs> it was the Wi Fi in Europe. That's no, bananas. You're, you're also,
1: We're still bougie at the end of the day, you know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> There's only a certain number of things I need. Siobhan knows Wi Fi. <laughs> 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 At least if we're in Europe or somewhere that's... Uh, Ron and
1: I are very much aligned. This is why I respect <laughs> you so much, though. It's like, I totally... And I I have not... I can't even say I've nearly hustled the way that you have with all of the, like... Like you say, fake it till you make it. You're not faking it. Like, your energy and, like, commitment to like, <laughs> doing what you got to fucking do to get it done is incredible. And, like, I totally... Like, I've seen it. I totally, totally respect it. It's, like, nonstop. Like, your energy is so impressive.
2: Well, don't, don't discount what you've had to do in the last two years. So... <laughs>
1: And Are all you talking you. about being married to Brock Richards? Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> no, I'm saying what all you guys have done. I mean, 2020 was, was nuts, and I'm not cracking a beer. This is just orange Zebia. So
1: oh, you, you, you totally should crack if, a beer, though, yeah. if you want. I mean, yeah, yeah, no, you- they, it's, it's We encourage that.
3: And, and also recommended. Ah, okay. Yeah, well, well,
2: okay, well, okay, if we're doing a second round of this, we, I'll We do. It. We got a few for minutes sure. left for this episode, and then we'll take a little uh, mean, restocking break. No, I'm saying I'm giving... A full of sugar...
0: Helps the medicine
2: go down. I agree. (laughs) I'm giving you guys credit because I I know what this, I know what toll this took on every creator. Uh, As soon as it happened when we were in Russia and I was watching not just the markets, but just watching everything happen. And you're just like, oh my God. Um, Everyone's thinking about themselves. And the last person they're thinking about is arts. Just like any funding budget. So um, kudos to you guys. Uh, you created something awesome. Siobhan, I know you went and found every gig under the sun. I don't know how you <laughs> do so much. You worked so much in 2020, it blew my mind. I'd floor up. Rox is telling me, I'm like, yeah. I call up. He's yeah. in Circleville. I'm like, is Siobhan there? She's like, I think she went to Florida again. I'm like, you think? I was like, how do you not know where your wife is? He's like, well, she comes and goes. I'm like, I'm oh like.
1: lots lots of new video games came out so at the moment he is very immersed in one of them because i i had too many gigs over the holidays he was like i had to buy a game i'm sorry so i haven't actually really interacted with him that much
2: well okay i i understand that side of brock too but i'm just saying you all everyone for the most part many people found their way in totally different ways and it's commendable and i you know it's a totally new frontier with everything that's happened after these two years. Now, everyone we've worked with, even in the last tour, it's wild how everyone's mentalities have changed.
1: And you were the pioneer yeah. of working remotely, as you mentioned. So there you go. You were like a good 10 years ahead of that curve.
2: Well, luck- yeah, luckily. Um, now everyone, I'm actually, I, I get mad sometimes. I'm just like, God, now they're all doing this like you're all working from home I'm like I was screaming to work from home and I told you I would be better at working from home and no one wanted to grant it to me but now you're all like everyone's working from home we're gonna stay working at home I'm like okay cool thanks glad you get it now <laughs> can I original. tell you
0: Siobhan, Siobhan have you
1: met my dad uh, have you briefly, met my dad when, when you when yeah. when your parents came to the restaurant and at the Boston show, does he come or off so he, he so he he
0: saw all of this because when I was growing up, he worked downstairs, and he never came upstairs before like three thirty in the morning. And I was like, "What the hell?" And he actually had a PA system through our vent, so he could talk to my mom. He'd be like, "Ag, hey, I need some water," and she'd bring it downstairs because he worked at home uh, in front of like screens. And like, I used to think he was a psychopath. I still think I he's mean, a psychopath, kind but now of I like you. <laughs> but now I go downstairs to my basement. I don't go up to three thirty in the morning, and I have no social skills. And I have a bunch of computer monitors in front of me and stuffed animals, just like my dad. He's a bunch of pigs, stuffed on. All- I don't know what it is, the metaphor, but I have like transformers and shit. It's the same thing. So I'm like, I, I realize I wanted to work at home. And I, Ron, like the fact you were able to fake it so many times from just remotely projecting yourself, delegating at such a high level. You think that this is commendable? Holy yeah, I do. shit! What yeah, a did. fucking farce. This is the greatest marketing ever. I but think you know i'm I'm kidding I <laughs> that means the world, but it's so weird to have some to walk in someone else's shoes because for me, I'm like, I everything you said just seems so unattainable and intangible. Not to say I don't believe you, but like I don't believe I could uh, that scares me,
2: yeah, but I mean to to that's what fear for me just drives you further. Some people, like I said, you've either walked to the fire or you don't. Fear I'm like, all right. Guess we're gonna figure this one out, and it's scary. Don't get me wrong; it's still scary, but you just do it. You know, right? on. Wow. What, a, what a what a what, what a, a way to end the first to- episode. Nike. <laughs> we're brought to you by just Nike. Yeah, exactly. Sponsored by Nike.
1: <laughs> sponsored by Nike, Zevia <laughs> yeah. so- wine, <laughs> I
2: want MTV. Seltzer.
3: Yeah,
0: that's know, exactly that's exactly got, what this is. I got this the is. Stop and Shop brand. So. Ah, okay. <laughs> no, no, dude, the gold emblem. At, I think was it Walgreens. This is the. or Is it CVS? This is the is that shit. juice. No, dude, it's like the really expensive, like, sell, like what? What's it? Perrier? So or like, whatever. It's
2: like water, but, and then they just do like this on the top. Yeah, of it. but it's like, it's like yeah, but it's
0: like ninety nine cents, but it's equally <laughs> delicious, and it actually has real juice in it. So That's I feel like when good I was about there and it myself, and You didn't want to pay
1: two ninety nine for the Milano cookies, so you got the like the the private stock, whatever. <laughs> but, but yeah. Walgreens, but listen, you're like fuck those Milano cookies. Okay, wait, ninety nine cents water, and you're,
2: <laughs> and you're you can not get Milano. Wait, come on. Dude, but, but
0: I actually like the cheap ones better. I think that's part of my DNA. Well, regardless, I actually
3: can like the please sponsor us, whether it be <laughs> Stop and Shop, Seltzer, or whatever.
2: CVS. I live off of this. This is literally. Yeah. I have an addiction. Siobhan knows this. It,
1: oh, yeah, he does have, because there was a good like shelf and a half in the bus. In
2: my, yeah, in my in my fridge right now I go around Zivia? to other stores to find Zivia. these flavors this is orange and this one's a very
0: I don't think I've ever even so seen
2: so it's that. it's just flavored stevia but it's got nothing in it yeah I just, so instead I of like the superlose it's got the
1: zevia like the 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 um the stevia the natural sweetener I'll also probably be
2: the guy in like 50 years that you know got some crazy disease from stevia <laughs> I drink it like sweet no but, hey. no, no because like
0: saccharin or whatever it could fuck up your liver my mom mm-hmm. like I swear to god her doctor had she had the craziest count <laughs> And they're like, you're going to die. And they're like, do you drink diet soda? She was like, yeah, every day, all day, every day. Well, this like, is you're not soda. So
2: it's no, just I know, but, water, but back yes, then right. yeah, they yeah, yeah, thought
0: yeah. that drinking normal Coca-Cola that just oh, had right. old-fashioned oh, right, sugar right, right, right. Yeah. was worse for you than the actual chemicals, like the saccharine, and whatever the bullshit Diet Coke that kills. Like the you.
2: original Coca-Cola, because that's the you know.
0: Well, well, not like the 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 <laughs> cocaine nineteenth-century Coca-Cola, but I'm talking like you know twenty years
3: ago. Coca-Cola. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Coke,
2: hard, good,
1: good old stuff. <laughs> so, anyways, on I think they <laughs> on call it Mexican note, Coke now. That's true. You got the
3: real sugar. Um, but yeah, this is what a what a wonderful way to end this episode. Um, we'll dive. Uh, we'll dive more into the, that. Was a good background, Ron. We appreciate you diving into that, and it's it's fascinating to hear your story because I had no idea about the whole. You know, that's, a, it's that's amazing. A, that's a path. I, I you know, learned a lot too. The,
1: I always see Ron in the grind, so there's a lot of great stories that I got there too. I can just amazing. picture him being so,
0: like, "No Wi-Fi, but there's a volcano."
1: Well, yeah
3: We'll, we'll, no, pick up, we'll pick up present day in uh in part two <laughs> sounds good
1: so stay tuned you've been 2020
3: Thank you, as always, for checking out this episode of 2020. Please visit 2020-D.com, like and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. This week's throwback clip is from episode number 114, featuring Roddy Chong, violinist for Shania Twain, Celine Dion, and Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Check it out.
2: And I got to tell you, first of all, I'm in the string section. So The string section, there's six strings to help balance out the staging and and also the sound of Trans-Siberian Orchestra. And I'm watching this show from the stage and I did not understand the show. Like I'm playing and it's like, it's just like fog and I can see different colors going on. But what I did understand in San Diego and Los Angeles at the Coliseum was a matinee and an evening show both sold out. Like I understood the ticket sales. I'm like, something is going on with this band.